Welcome to the Transformation Cafe with your host, Robin Misevich. Transformation Cafe, a weekly half hour of light, topical conversation about health, wellness, happiness, personal growth, spirituality, and other insights. We're glad you're here. Transformation Cafe, a fun place to nourish your soul. Now, let's get started and introduce our diners for tonight's show. Well, I want to welcome everybody to the Transformation Cafe. I'm your host, Robin Masevich, and we're talking about joy. We're in the Book of Joy with uh, Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. And I'm going to get my my wonderful, joyful co-host, Miss Amy Frost, to come on. Hey, Amy, how are you doing tonight? I am okay. Not hyper-joyful, I have to admit. Not hyper-joyful. I think that's good. I think that's good because that just shows that you kind of have a perspective on things. I, I'm I'm working on having a perspective. I'm not. I'm I'm a little perspectiveless right now. Perspectability. My perspective on that. Let's have we, we'll, we'll start making up words about with perspective. <laughs> so they have eight different pillars in the Book of Joy. With four are with the mind, and four are with our feelings. And so I really wanted to, and what they, what they really call the pillars of the heart. So tonight we're going to be with one of the pillars of the mind, which is the pillar of perspective. And right off the bat, both uh, Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama are really talking about, you know, having a mental immunity that helps us about filling our minds and hearts with positive thoughts and feelings. So, you know, there's so many times that we really get caught up in our fear, caught up in things that are going on that we get very narrow-minded when we have different circumstances. And one of the things they both really want to say in this chapter is that if we can come from compassion and generosity, that these two qualities are perhaps the most pivotal in everlasting happiness. And if you really look at studies on that, that's something that's really true about that, about, you know, coming from a place if you can be open. And, you know, the Dalai Lama always says that it's so important that when you feel depressed or you feel just really stifled in your life to be generous and go do something for someone else, get involved in other people and your your heart will lighten, you'll have compassion and that generosity will just help you to really just open yourself up to just other things. So love Amy for, you know, jumping down any of this, Amy, as we're going through this chapter. Yeah, I, it, for me, it was a really interesting week. I had several people having major crisis, and I had one this morning call me, a good friend of mine, who has had a lot of trauma, drama in her life the last two years. And really, this is the first time that she admitted that she has not felt joy in those two years. And so I invited her to join us. So she did get the book, and she's going to be be doing it with us. And she's a very faith-based person, and it was really interesting that it didn't surprise me that she admitted it. I was kind of shocked that she hadn't because I don't know too many people who go through what she's gone through and and not get disconnected from joy, which we know is really an illusion. And talk about a matter of perspective because that joy is always there. It kind of looks like the Tootsie Roll uh, pop, that, that that center is always in there, and it's how many licks can you get to it. So and I think it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how many licks are you willing to take. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So on uh, page 194, it goes to say, a healthy perspective really is the foundation of joy and happiness. Because the way we see the world is the way we experience the world. Changing the way we see the world in turn changes the way we feel and the way we act, which changes the world itself. 
Whereas the Buddha likes to say, with our mind, we create our own world. And it was kind of funny. I was, um, last week I had gone with um, my kids to Disneyland and we were all walking around. And one of the uh, friends of my daughter was, he just talking and saying all kinds of stuff. And I just said, I said, I said, you know, you know, the things that you talk about are your reality. And he looked at me like, what? <laughs> I said, you're making up stuff and you're, this stuff is your reality. And he kind of looked at me and he just laughed. And then he thought about it and he goes, yeah, I guess that's true, huh? And I go, uh-huh. <laughs> so you might as well talk about good stuff so you can have a good reality, you know, depending on which direction you want to go. So uh, it was, it made, it made our, our day there uh, just, just a little bit different because you could tell they, were, they had some gears turning that they wouldn't necessarily have. So I think it was really kind of a, a fun thing to go through that. So. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. When you look at, there is totally possibilities to, 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 have, to look at everything from whatever perspective you're choosing to and that there's so mm-hmm. many different points that you could look at and you're you're right. It's kind of like where are you shining? You imagine you're in a dark warehouse, and you've got a you've got a flashlight, and wherever you're putting that is where you're going to be looking at it. Unless maybe you choose yeah, because to you know the, the lights on, right? If you're looking uh-huh. for a flashlight, <laughs> that's a whole other perspective. Well, you know, and you know that's one reason I think that they they both really encourage you to have this wider perspective. So imagine if you didn't necessarily have the the flashlight anymore and you turned on you know one of those lights that basically can shine the shine up to the ceiling there wouldn't necessarily be full light in the room but boy you'd see a heck of a lot more you know depending on what how wide a light you want to have and and where you're going to shine it you're still you're totally going to be able to see a lot more of what's really happening with it and what's cool about this is a lot of research has shown that you know with that wider perspective that your sense of worry and anxiety just has a you know a very significant reduction and you find that you can have greater joy in your life because you're you're you know you're not so focused on just the little minute things you're being able to see it from just that different perspective it's that reframing for more positivity well and and, uh, and I don't even I think positive and negative um is something we can kind of eliminate it's it's what helps you to 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 stay in the game do you know what i mean mhm yeah yeah I think people well, you know, say it, turned off because they think it's kind of Pollyanna, right? But it, I think yeah. it's what is motivating and inspiring to you is more how I choose to look at it instead of positive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's good. Because like, if you think about the Dalai Lama, he was talking you know, with this whole pillars of perspective about, you know, he came from that wider perspective when he had the calamity of losing his country and that mm-hmm. you know, here, here he, he was exiled. And couldn't even be in Tibet. So, he, he, you know, he basically just said, you know, I'm coming from this more wider contact and new relationships, the less formality and the more freedom to discover a world and learn from others. He said, so if you look from one angle, you feel, oh, how sad and how bad this is. But if you look from the other angle at the same tragedy, the same event, you see that it gave him new opportunities that he never would have had. And I think that's so profound to think about that. Well, I've, I've heard him speak about this, and something that he said I thought was really profound. He he sa- had said that if if they had not had to leave because of the Chinese coming after them, that they would have you know they would have stayed. And these traditions and these techniques that they are, have been introducing all over the world would have been kept hidden in Tibet, as they, mm-hmm. they hadn't been expelled out. So it was 
it was really something almost like it was a you know a, a divine plan instead of a punishment mm-hmm. or something awful. And it's not really even looking at it as positive, but as in him accepting that there was a reason this had to happen. And in listening to him talk about it, how when he realized, oh, my goodness, all this great work would not be in the world because we would have kept it contained in Tibet. And the one thing I think is really, if you've never seen any movies about him or how all that happened, it happened at a fairly young age for him. Yeah, I think he was pretty young. So, yeah, he, he was. Yeah. But, you know, the whole thing is so so pretty much his whole life he's been in exile and the sharing of all these things have just, you know, like you said, literally gone over the all over the world for being able to share those things. And he has, you know, he has such a curiosity about science and how things relate back to the things that he's known, being able to have this marriage between science and, you know, um, the Western philosophies or the Western perspective on things and bringing that into the things that they've had for the, all the traditions of stuff. So it's quite quite interesting to see how all those things have really helped us to evolve and be in this place of just having, talk about a wider perspective, you know, for everybody. Ultimately, is it just such a great blessing on that? So um, on the same page um, on 195, it talks about these, this uh, story about these two soldiers that had come in one day to an army medical center and they both had the same diagnosis and same prognosis. And the first veteran was laying on his bed, knotted up into a fetal position, reeling against his life and and decrying his fate. And then the second Chuck was out of bed in a wheelchair explaining that he felt like he was getting a second chance of his life. And he had willed through a garden and realized that he had never been closer to a flower and looked at it with childlike eyes. So it just shows that, you know, depending on who you are and what your circumstances is, you know, you can totally take that one. Like I said, they had same diagnosis and same prognosis, but one was able to, you know, see, wow, you know, I've got a second chance and I'm just, I'm not going to, you know, waste it. And the other one not really knowing how to cope and really, um, you know, limiting himself. So it just shows, you know, how we can, you know, am I willing to be bigger than this or am I sitting in this for, for the moment, just not feeling like I have options. So I think that was a really great story. So anything else with that, Amy, you want to share? Yeah, um, I used to do a lot of work in, in hospice. And there would be times when, you know, two, again, two people, one was told they were, you know, going to die and uh, were had an awful time with it and and, and a lot of suffering emotionally, physically, and, and spiritually. And another person would take it as, you know, this is my opportunity to finish what I need to do to love people I hadn't loved, maybe finish my bucket list. Do you remember the, they, well, in the movie, The Bucket List, that they had, um, the, you know, the two main characters decided to go start doing their bucket list. And, and one died not too long after that, but the other one lived for many, many years after. And I think that's it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a matter of, you know, and, and what, I, what, what, what comes to me is we're here for as long as we're here, and we're, what's ever happening to us is happening to us. And why not have the most quality of life that you can have no matter what's going on in your life? And that's, to me, a matter of what perspective is, is decide I'm going to have control over my life. What in The serenity prayer comes to mind here, right? What can I control? Mm-hmm. Do that. What can I let it go? And I think that's, that's a mm-hmm. way of, of living your life. And now, it's on that same page of 195, they talk about Viktor Frankl and and how he was, of course, in, in, in 
in in a camp in in Germany and had lost most of his family and he really felt that you know it was really about um having uh, a purpose and really what is it that you know that that you're you're living for and having you know literally the power of um, that is my choice and my perspective here reading directly from the books is um, uh, Victor Frankl, who said that our perspective towards life is our final and ultimate freedom. Our perspective literally has the power to keep us alive or to cause our death. And, you know, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily even a physical death. I mean, right? How many people do you know that are wandering around that have had the walking, you know, wounded? That they're, mm-hmm. they're not really alive. And I think that's part of it, too, is that you can choose, no matter what's going on in your life, that... I can tap into that joy and still be authentic with the pain for myself and others, but still be tapped into a joy, which is quite a dance. Mm -hmm. It is quite a dance. That's very true. You know, so going back to the Lama had talked about with this wider perspective, this larger perspective, you know, it's really about being able to step back within your own mind to look at the big picture and move beyond your your sense of your own limited self-awarenesses and your own self-interest. He says, we must look at any given situation or problem from the front, from the back, from sides, and from the top and bottom. So at least six different angles. This allows us to take more more complete and holistic views of reality. And if we do, our response will be more constructive. So I mean, that's such a great, you know, whether it's a personal issue you have, whether you're in business, I mean, anything that you've got going on in your life, if you can really just kind of step back and say, you know, what do I know? What don't I know? And what am I seeking to know, about, you know, to learn about this? I think it really can help people to being able to not feel like you're you're tied down to just one concept and stuff like that. So how about you, Amy, with any of the people that you've worked with, being able to give people of that perspective? Well, what I'd love to have you talk about is how, take that right there, looking at things at different angles. What have you done in your business recently? to look at the perspective on something that's happening in your business. Well, you know, I just, I just uh, flowers for you in Riverside, California. With being florist, I was really looking at Valentine's Day and just the different trends that were happening, looking at my staff and ways that I could be supporting them, uh, looking at the just the different things that were going on for sales for when it comes to, you know, what people were seeming to be interested in. Because, I mean, there are standards of things that people want. But, yeah, you know, even in the moment, that's one nice thing about being in a small business. We can literally turn on a dime if we're, we're seeing a trend or something. People are walking in the door. We start getting requests for a certain, certain kind of product or, or done in a certain kind of way. Um, we really can just turn in and then have that product out within a two or three hours. We've got new things out there that seem to be what people are looking for for the holiday. So that's something that, you know, we're willing to to be able to just shift and change and be able to use our resources in a different way. So that's something that I've really um, just seek to be open and practice with that as much as I can. And I think it's really uh, wonderful to be in a place where you can shift that quickly. You know, I think part of it too is I had a friend of mine start taking hip hop dance and um, she had been a person who, you know, would even think about dancing. And here she started taking these classes for hip hop and stuff. And she said that it was such a good practice for her that, you know, here she had this dance instructor teaching her these moves she didn't know how to do. And she really literally just had to let go of the fact she didn't want to look in the mirror anymore about being perfectionist in the way that it was supposed to look. And just basically moving to her body was able to, you know, take the move in and being able just to enjoy the process instead of getting stuck on what it should look like instead of just the fact she was in learning how to do something. And um, Mm -hmm. I've seen in the last like three weeks of her going to these classes, how 
She's just a lot more spontaneous. She's in a place where she's willing to try stuff that she'd never really been willing to try before. And she just seems to be just in a happier state of mind most of the time because she's, you know, literally shifting and moving and things like that and not being so stuck on how she thinks it should look, but just being able to just enjoy the fact that she can do something. Yeah, and that's a, I really love that because um, not, that's a great example. And I think it's important for people to to try things that are out of their norm, that out of their comfort zone. And that, you know, it's like with the artist way, they talk about uh, taking um, artist dates where you go and do things mm-hmm. that are you know, kind of out of your realm a little bit. That really, because it really does change your perspective. And I think it's important to hang out with people that you normally wouldn't hang out with. I think that's what, it, like meetup.com, maybe try, you know, a mm-hmm. group that you never would have gone to. You know, certainly make sure you're safe and all that, do due diligence, but trying, you know, maybe uh, a different religion than you would normally go to or try doing like a drumming class or um, maybe, uh, you know, uh, some kind of art thing or just something that's different because that starts changing. You see different people and do different things. You start seeing things differently. Yeah, even just like going and trying a different restaurant that you would normally not even think about going and checking out. You may, you know, it might be something you really enjoy. You would have had no idea that it was even something that you were willing to try. Well, I know my husband never had sushi, so we started dating. Now it's his favorite food. Yeah, see, there you go. Created a monster. (laughs) Uh, How would he have known, right? How would he have known? Because he, in his own, never would have tried it. Well, he even went and went and learned how to make it, right? I mean, he took a cooking class and learned how to make sushi. Yes, he did. So it was just like, and that was that was a fun thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I just wanted to go back. You know, if we're moving on with the chapter, um, you know, one thing that uh, Archbishop Tutu talks about is that you know when it comes to different kinds of things that are happening that seem to be challenges for yourself. Sometimes, you know, taking that wider perspective could be in different situations. And he, he's talking about traffic jams or things like that, or somebody who's cutting you off on the freeway or on the street. And he said, you know, we can't necessarily know what's happening with somebody. You know, maybe they're rushing to the hospital because they have an injured, you know, loved one. Or um, I was thinking of Stephen Covey. Um, he had a really wonderful story that we've talked about on the show before where um, he got in the, a subway once and this man, you know, came on with his kids and his kids were just crazy. They were running all over the place and just acting crazy. And the, the man just sat there very, you know, almost numb. He, he wasn't reacting to his kids at all. And, he, you know, the, the man looked up at Stephen and he just said, oh, I'm so sorry. My wife just died and, and I just don't know what to do. He was basically just in shock. And so, you know, you can never know what's happening for another person. And I think that's that, that perspective of really helping us to deal with things and knowing that there's, you know, lots of different ways that we can be handling something. And, you know, I love uh, Reverend Tutu because, he, you know, he talks about, you know, ultimately we can lift them up and we can bless them. We can say, please, God, give each one of them what they need. So we may not, we don't need to understand what's happening with another person, but we can really bless them and ask for grace and just ask that person to get what they need, not necessarily having to fully get involved or have the story behind it, but just being able to lift that whole thing and have a, you know, a, a more a divine perspective on everything. Absolutely. And I say a funny story kind of comes to my mind. I don't know if it's, you know, it wasn't funny to me at the time, but it's kind of funny now. I was um, uh, out of town teaching a class, I believe, on communication, oddly enough. And I was um, mm-hmm. at, at the hotel restaurant having breakfast, and there was a guy, a um, Harley Davidson kind of guy, the beard, the tattoos, the leather. And I was like, and he was up at the buffet, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I was kind of kind of wait till he, you know, 
he left because it was just kind of making me kind of nervous. And then I noticed he went to his table, and there was his wife and these two lovely little girls, and they were, Daddy, Daddy. And it was so, they were such a sweet interaction. I just felt like such a dope. Because here I thought I had made all of these decisions about what this guy was and who this guy was, and I should be afraid of him. And then when I just kind of sat back and watched what was really going on, he was an amazing man, an amazing dad, which I would have missed if I hadn't stopped and really looked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the other things that they talk about in uh, on page 199 is the God perspective. And Archbishop Tutu talks about, you know, allowing us to transcend our own limited identity and self-interest. And he said really can help us to have that overview effect with, you know, they also use the example of astronauts that report that once they glimpse the Earth from space, you know, being that small ball that's floating you know, here and you know, out out into the universe. You know, there's that lacking of the self-made borders and the way that we would you know look at personal and national interest in just such a different way. And he said, the oneness of terrestrial life and the preciousness of our planet. You know, so many come back and they just like want to change life and want to really be about being being in a place where you know we have those freedoms and we're not having all this you know border problems and things like that. And really limiting people, recognizing that, you know, from, from space, there, there are no walls. And I think that's just a really wonderful thing for us to be remembering. So I'd like it to, go, to back up here a little bit on page 196. And I love how um, they talk about we suffer from perspective myopic, being uh, myopia, mm-hmm. where, you know, being really focused on this is, you know, where I'm staring. And they, they talk about... Um, when we confront a challenge, we often react to the situation with fear and anger. And they talk about how the stress can make it hard for us to step back and see another's perspective and other solutions. So I think that's good. When you find yourself frozen like that, do maybe some nice deep breathing or um, maybe just walk around a little bit, maybe stop and get a drink of water. And knowing that, you know, when you're so fixated, that you're freezing yourself from from seeing it from another perspective, which may be more beneficial. You know, or even as simple as you're driving somewhere and you find yourself kind of, ah, maybe just taking a different street, taking a different route that will kind of open, your, open you up a little bit to, you know, to seeing things a little bit differently. And then here on the same page, it talks about um, how can a negative event actually become positive well, you're talking about how do you see the blessing and the curse, the joy and the sorrow. And this, this could be a really good exercise. This is something that, that I like to do and I like to work with others doing, is take something that you perceived as bad or negative in your life and, then, uh, that, and now take some time and say, what is the good that's come out of that? So um, for me, um, I worked for uh, the Department of Defense, and they ended up shutting down my entire base. Well, if that hadn't happened, I would have worked for 30 years for the Department of Defense, which would have been fine. But um, uh, what because of that happening, I ended up getting uh, different education and started doing different work, which I never would have done if the base actually hadn't closed. So very easy could have get caught up in poor me. You know, my life was destroyed. My career was destroyed. But it really opened the door for a whole other path, a whole other or type of joy. Can you think of something, Robin, in your life that it looked, at, you know, like it was not that great, but what something that came out of it really, really was? Um, having a baby. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. Well, then to have a second one. Oh. <laughs> that's right, like, that's my first one right there. 
have to have some kind going of going through childbirth and then you know reminding yourself on the other end of that I'm going to have this wonderful little being that you know that you know it's beyond words how much a child can give you joy. But uh, boy, when you're going through that, going through that, no matter how many hours it is, it's very very interesting. So you know it's 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 anything like that when you you really dedicate yourself into something that you know it's that time and effort. I'm like you know like and I don't know why, but I'm thinking of writing a book. You know, you you take all that time and effort in the research and the writing and all that. And then once it's published, um, having it go out and have all these people calling you or just letting you know how it's changed their lives. You know, just from you being able to express yourself through a book and the things, you know, sharing some of the things you've learned that um, it really can be just such a life changer. I think that's another good one because it's, you know, it's creating a baby. That's for sure. It's just a different kind of baby. But, um, you know, those kinds of creative processes that we do that um, you really just invest your heart and soul into it and then have it being able to go out back out in the world and just changing people. I think that's another thing can be so um, wonderful and, and gratifying for yourself. So on page um, 199, well, one thing I really wanted to make sure that we had on the show was they did a classic study about, um, you know, the I, me, mine, and then we, us, and ours. And um, in science, they've really noticed that. Um, that when you use the personal pronouns that lead, they also they also can lead to greater risk of heart attacks. Um, with using I, me, and mine, they've also found that people have higher blood pressure, and um, they also have more depression. So I thought that was a really interesting thing to um, just kind of know that. It says that um, the I and me are more likely to be um, for people who are depressed and who are more often self personal, you know, when they use that self-personal pronouns. But yeah, when you use the we and us, there's interesting evidence that being, um, that's that too, that's the self um, the, um, regarding in the, the sense of their happiness, because the recognition of being interdependent is just such a, a different thing. And it really helps the boundaries to separate from the others and having it where you can be in a place of just, you know, a different sense of um, ownership, a different sense of collected, you know, oneness with everybody. Can this really helps with um, health and your wellness too? Well, let me just make a point here that I think is really important. And they talk about that people who more frequently said I, me, or mine had a higher risk of having a heart attack and had a risk of heart attack being fatal. They found that this so called self involvement was a better predictor of death than smoking, high cholesterol, or high blood pressure. Mm hmm. So I just wanted, wanted to make sure that that's something that, you know, we had on the show and we had uh, just knowing that that's a, a perspective that can be very profound when it comes to a sense of just your sense of wellness. Yeah, doing a little bit of practice with each one. I know we don't have much time left. Would, do you want to lead us through a little bit of a, a practice that might help you with the perspective? Yeah, so if you go to page uh, 329, there's a wonderful, there's a whole chapter within the Book of Joy that has all these different exercises that you can do. And um, we're going to do the one on perspective tonight, which is a self, self-distancing um, practice. This is many of the practices already offered are useful in cultivating perspective. Meditative practices work to shift our perspective from a reactive emotional brain to our more reflective, more evolved, higher brain centers. Getting a wider perspective as the Dalai Lama likes to call it, is possibly by stepping back from our situations to see the bigger picture. So we're really going to be talking about the God eye perspective. And we talked about that, about, you know, coming from, um, you know, being the astronaut off the planet, that kind of thing. So think about a problem or situation that you were facing and just kind of take a breath. Breathe that in. 
Now describe your problem as if it were happening to someone else using your name rather than the I or the mine or the, or the we, you know, g- keeping that singular pronoun on there. Now imagine the problem from a perspective from a week or a year or even a decade from now. It's a different situation. When you witness our life as a God eye or a universal perspective, you know, you can see this, the fears and the frustrations from a, that different point of view. And you can also see that other people that were involved have equal value and being worth, uh, worthy of love and respect. So just kind of take a breath in and out with that, you know, and really recognize that in this moment, it can be perfect in knowing that, you know, I'm giving it a different sense of what's really true. And, you know, it's it's bigger and wider and com- comes from a lot of other perspectives than I first was giving it time or effort to do. So know that um, that's uh, exercise. Great, Robin. Thank you. Good job. Um, on page uh, 329 is perspective, a self-distancing practice. And it looks like, I guess, each each pillar has a different practice, which I just realized. Duh. So, mm-hmm. um, so we can really be, um, the next, you know, the next few weeks we're going to be looking at the different pillars, so we can definitely be doing those practices, I think, which would be really cool. So, yay. Yeah, on that. So, and I love the, um, one thing that he had talked about in the beginning of the invitation for joy, it says, every day is a new opportunity to begin again. Every day is your birthday. And I thought that was really good. So, happy birthday, everybody. Well, I think <laughs> Having that going on there. Yours is coming pretty soon. Yeah. I just had mine. You're about and to mine's coming so next week, birthday. so I'm excited about that. Yeah, and Amy just had one, so we've been kind of doing the birthday thing. So next week we're going to be talking about humility, and it says I tried to look at I like try to look humble and modest. So that's what we're going to be talking about next week. And um, as always, you know, with with these two guys, uh, Dalai Lama and Reverend Tutu, I'm sure it's going to be from a little bit different perspective. So we look forward to that. So thank you, Miss Amy, as always, helping me to see things from just a little bit different point of view. I'm seeing things a little different perspectively. <laughs> and we want to thank our international audience just for joining us. And uh, again, remind you to go to transformation-cafe.com. Um, you're never too late to pick up the book and be taking a look. If you'd like to go ahead and go through our shop and, and uh, get through Amazon with that that uh, one-click system, we appreciate doing that. And um, go ahead and join the conversations. If you'd like to go ahead and leave a leave a message for us, we appreciate that. And if you'd like to go ahead and join us on any of the uh, pod uh, applications that are out there, we, we welcome you and thank you for just making us a regular thing in your life. So we, we, we love to talk about things that change and, and having things come from the light. And you're part of that light. So we want to thank everybody. So we'll see you next time here at the cafe. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Transformation Cafe podcast. To learn more, visit transformation-cafe.com for show notes, guest information, and links to previous shows. You can also subscribe to the Transformation Cafe podcast on iTunes. Join us again next time at the Transformation Cafe, a fun place to nourish your soul.